Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We have escaped the tent of common sense in Westminster and returned to base to mark the end of another tumultuous week in Parliament where our elected representatives have spent two days shouting at each other, winding each other up and generally behaving like toddlers in a kindergarten. After all the fuss around the surrender bill, the unlawful suspension of Parliament, the death threats and the rebellions, it's almost as though they've all forgotten about Brexit, which is after all the reason why they all came back to work on Wednesday. Today, of course, they're not there but they're coming back bright and early on monday at guess what 2 30 in the afternoon marvelous isn't it what a great job i know they're all going to say well we're terribly busy over the weekend because we've got lots of constituency work to be getting along with well hang on a second you had all of last week to be getting along with all that constituency work when nothing was going on you could have done it then instead of going in and out of the chamber taking selfies of yourself going well i'm ready to go back to work where is everybody meanwhile of course tory party conference will get underway on sunday as dominic cummings and boris johnson look ever more confident that they've got something up their sleeve I don't know what it could be, but something tells me that this playbook that I've been talking about that Dominic Cummings has been running is still running. After all, what a marvellous moment it was when he saw Carl Carl Turner from Hull, the Labour MP, having a go at him the other day uh, on film. And he said, I'm terribly sorry, I don't know who you are. Possibly the greatest insult ever given to any MP who are so pompous, these guys, by the way. If they don't know uh, that you don't recognise them, they absolutely hate it. 0344 499 1000. This is the place to get your voice heard, of course, because this is the People's Radio Station. Coming up later on, we'll be asking just what has gone wrong with our failing police service. Why on earth anyone would want to go on holiday to Saudi Arabia? And because it's Friday, it's time for another rip-roaring edition of the Perrier Awards. And as if by magic, we're actually going to speak to Katie Perrier uh, in the opening hour of the show as well. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, it seems to me that we've been doing an awful lot of hard work over the course of the last couple of weeks. But one of the things we've forgotten to do, one of the things we haven't quite caught up with, is whether or not we have reached a point where we are any closer to not leaving the European Union. So I wonder uh, whether it is worth checking in at some point throughout the course of this morning uh, with the Brexit countdown clock to see whether we have actually got anywhere close to... Oh, as if by magic, there's the uh, warning sign, there is the hooter. Now, I'm quite excited about this because I think we have got a little bit closer to leaving the European Union in recent times. So let's check in with the clock. It didn't sound like it's moved much, to be honest. (laughs) No, we're still not any closer. But, however, you would have to say, given the way that the Tory party has been operating, given the way that Boris Johnson has been standing up for himself in Parliament, against the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, it has to be said, and the way that Dominic Cummings looks pretty confident in everything, I'd say we will be leaving still on October the 31st, if not before, with a deal or perhaps without one, but certainly... The job will be done. These guys look far too confident uh, for there to be nothing going on that they don't know about. 
0344 We'll take loads of your calls today. Uh, we're in uh, back in the studio. We're, in, we're out of the tent. Uh, life is sometimes easier production-wise when we do that. So let's start things off, first of all, with a conversation with Katie Perrier, who is, of course, the queen of Tory Party Conference and Labour Party Conference as well. Katie, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Now, thank you very much indeed for joining us. You'll be glad to know that Tory Party Conference is going ahead. What have you heard about what's happening and whether it's being truncated or whether it's being, things are being moved around? What's the story? They're trying to run it as normal, as I see, and I, I understand that Jacob Rees-Mogg has, although they've not done a deal with Labour Party about what will be discussed in Parliament next week, it is clear that some of the stuff, some of the issues that will be debated in Parliament um, are not... Uh, likely to uh, turn on the government and not likely to defeat the government in any way. There are issues that have cross-party support, such as the domestic violence bill, yes. uh, which quite rightly is coming back into the House after all the hard work across uh, both green benches. So um, I think that what happens is, I love the phrase number 10 pumped out yesterday. They said, well, we're just going to have a quick nip up the M6. I mean, if anyone's tried to quickly <laughs> nip up the M6 yeah. anytime recently... They'll realise that... Well, actually... Well, the, the, easy, the, yeah, exactly. the, the easy bit is getting from the, M, the bottom of the M6 up to Manchester. The hard bit is getting from London to the M6, which actually will take you about 45 hours. Indeed, and so I don't think that they've quite estimated how long it's going to take to be able to nip up for a quick seminar, panel discussion, or a quick speech. Yes. I mean, well, I don't know whether or not they've got shares in a helicopter uh, company that's going to be ferrying them <laughs> back and forth. It's not quite good for the environment. But one way or another, they're going to try and get there. So MPs I'm speaking to say, look, the Sunday, where normally I would have just kind of arrived and just walked around a bit, had a few conversations, I'm packing out because... Sunday is mine. They can't, you know, take that away from me. I'll definitely come. So we're now expecting loads of MPs on the Sunday where we weren't really before. And then the Monday and Tuesday, they're asking for permission from the whips and saying, please don't make it a three-line whip in Parliament. Uh, please allow us to go for a few hours. We want to show our commitment. And we thought Boris Johnson would move his speech to Tuesday, but it seems like he wants to carry on as normal. So, because they were going to try and make him come back for Prime Minister's questions, weren't they? But I suppose they can't necessarily do that. You can't make a Prime Minister do it. You can, Prime Minister can always say, I'm terribly sorry, I'm taking away on business, I'm going to hand it down to my number two. And what we've understood is that Dominic Raab has been given the job uh -huh. of preparing for Prime Minister's questions. So um, he has that responsibility on his shoulders, while Boris has a little bit more flexibility to come to conference and or deal with any kind of European matters that might be coming up in the next few days. We, you know, we're only a week or so away from the summit, so anything could happen. Yes. Um, any kind of proposals could come back. So I guess he wants to free himself up. So I don't think he's going to be tied to Parliament next week. Well, you to don't be honest... need to be in Parliament a huge amount of time as Prime Minister. So um, they'll do their best to make sure he can get away. Yeah, also, after what happened this week, you know, he wouldn't really blame Boris Johnson for not particularly wanting to hang around with some of these people, particularly after yesterday when they had the opportunity to give him permission uh, to shut down Parliament for a couple of days so he could have a proper conference, and they voted that down as well. Such is the pettiness now between Labour and the Tories. It's true, but then, of course, if you were the Labour Party, you may remember, I mean, some people, some people have short memories, the Conservative Party, Dominic Cummings' team, said... We're not. The convention is always you don't make big announcements as the opposition. If you let the party have their conference in peace, and then the following week you attack them or whatever it might be, but that's always been a precedent, except this year. So the plan was from number ten. Nope, we're not respecting that. We don't respect the rules, so we're going to trash them all the way through their conference. And they wonder why Labour then don't want to play ball when um, the tables are turned. To be fair, though, the Labour Party don't need uh, the Tories to mess up their conference. They manage to do that themselves, don't they? they I mean, when they start arguing with themselves. each other. They should, it's award-winning. The way yeah. that they, they've kicked off their conference 
uh, in style should be award-winning because it was so unbelievably bad. Yeah. Um, and so they should be very grateful that the Supreme Court hearing came in because it saved their bacon, really. Well, it really did. Also, I love their new method of vo voting, which is to basically show of hands and uh, completely get it wrong, but then refuse to count it properly on the grounds that you're just going to stick with what you thought it looked like. It was a borderline dictatorship <laughs> decision because um, I know people that were in the room, they were saying, hold on a minute, yeah. that wasn't the same number that I had. Well, the two people up on the top of the, of the dice thought that, uh, that they'd like, had gone the other way. I mean, literally, you know, storming the stage, basically saying, nope, doesn't count, this vote doesn't count for anything. That's not how it works. You can't say you want to champion democracy and, you know, respect the will of the people on one hand, which, of course, they, I'm not sure they do, uh, and then on their own, own political party conference, they then take a, view, a show of hands and then go, no, I don't like this decision, we're not going to count it, mm. we're going to dismiss it. And then at the end of this, we're going to take another vote again tomorrow and hope that people have changed their minds. I know, it's quite I mean, incredible. Quite incredible. What's, I mean, what is going to be the big set piece of the Tory party conference? I presume now that Dominic Cummings has kind of launched, uh, you know, hashtag get Brexit done after his rather stormy encounter with Carl Turner, uh, or as, uh, as Dominic calls him, uh, who are you? <laughs> and everybody in Westminster Bubble was saying, classic Dom, that's classic Dom. It was classic as well, because, so, of course, you might know or not know that I've had many run-ins with various Labour MPs, and I've certainly had one with Carl Turner some I'm years sure. ago, and he blocked me some years ago when I started asking him about the, uh, the inquiry that was done uh, about his rather unfortunate habit of, uh, of touching people inappropriately. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. I don't want to go there by any means. So, um, But all I do know is that, yeah, I mean... It's a really toxic environment in Parliament at the moment. Twitter is very toxic with parliamentarians kind of slagging each other off one yeah. into the other. It's not very nice. And I don't necessarily think this kind of attitude from Dominic Cummings helps things. But he's, there, he's a man on a mission. Yeah, but he's he knows one, that, though, doesn't he? He knows that it's not do. helpful. He absolutely knows what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, he stokes the fire, right? He kind of, you know, he's just poking them a little bit for a reaction. But he's there for, to do one thing, and that's to get Brexit done. I don't think he's going to be there to run a government. I don't think he's going to, he wants to have a five-year plan. He's just there to deliver Brexit. And I guess his view is my eyes on the prize, and I don't care about everything else. No, exactly right. But the Times this morning, quite an interesting headline, deliver Brexit or face riots, talking about sort of similar to the Gilets Jean uh, problem in France, talking about the poll tax riots, talking about the riots in Los Angeles after uh, uh, O.J. Simpson got uh, acquitted. I mean, you know, it's all very weird, isn't it? Well, it is, but I'm afraid it's kind of sweeping across the West, really, yeah. in terms of unhappiness with establishment. Some of the reasons why people voted for Brexit in the first place are manifesting themselves in the fact that parliamentarians can't get on with it. Yeah. What I'm angry about, really, Mike, is that parliamentarians have had several occasions to vote for Brexit. Yes, the deal wasn't perfect, but we could end up with something much, much worse. And if there's ever an opportunity where Boris Johnson gets to bring that vote back, that withdrawal bill back to Parliament, I just hope they just get on with it and vote for it, because there are things down the line we can change, we can alter, but this kind of sense of let's just tear strips off of each other doesn't you know, do anyone any good. I think people at home will think, well, I, none of them I want to vote for right now, because but this was why the, would I? this was very much the flavour I was getting from, from our listeners and the people calling the show this week, who were saying, you know, what is wrong with these people? There was a vote. It was um, a, a result in one direction. Why can they just not get on with it? And it's not good enough, really, anymore to say, we can't do it because it's too difficult, or we can't do it because nobody knew what they were voting for, or we can't do it because it wasn't democratic, because people lied. I mean, they need to stop all of that, and they need to just get on with it. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, it's been years and years, and we still are no further forward. I mean, Theresa May must be having a gin and tonic at home thinking, <laughs> well, you said it was going to be easy. Yeah. You said you could do it, you know. I think David Davis said, you know, this could be done in two weeks flat. 
Um, and they're showing that they can't do it either, that they are you know, stopped at every way. But although Boris Johnson is stopped from delivering Brexit at the moment and Parliament won't let him get on with it, there's no, doesn't seem to be any kind of rush from the Labour Party for an election. But, of course, Boris can do the ultimate thing. He can resign. Yeah. He could resign and say, I'm going to go, uh, I'm calling an election, I'm going to resign. This is, you know, you've got 14 days to form a government. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. Um, and therefore, we're at a point where we can go and, you know, have an election. So the stakes are high. And, he's, and what I notice is they're still coming out with the same line at number 10, which is, we will be leaving yeah. the European Union on 31st of October. The trouble is, Mike, no one knows how we're going to leave. And no one knows by what mechanism, because... You know, we've been prevented from doing a no deal. How exactly are we going to leave by the end of the month? Well, it's extraordinary. I watched Question Time last night. Gina Miller was on it, right, and giving us the benefit of her views on everything uh, from, uh, you know, sliced bread to uh, democracy. Uh, she claims that she's been fighting a 30-year campaign uh, to make sure uh, that we obey the laws in Parliament just as well as we should on every other aspect of our lives. I don't remember her really being around much before Brexit, but you may do. But, I mean, I find it quite extraordinary as well because she's not going to stop. There are going to be continual lawsuits now there's still one that's running up in Edinburgh, which has been launched by Dale Vince, the, the guy that heads up Ecotricity, to try and prevent Boris Johnson from leaving without a deal by law. You know, I mean, that's never going to stop, is it? Well, it isn't, because and also I have some sympathy for the fact that some people feel that leaving with no deal is quite dangerous. I've always believed that is the case, and I've always believed that we should be able to get a deal. It cannot be beyond parliamentarians. I mean, sometimes you feel like you want to lock them in a room and say, you're not coming out. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get plain digestives and water until, until you actually get uh, a Brexit deal. And then we unlock the door and we give them the chocolate ones if they haven't run out by that point and we're on rations. Yeah, exactly. So, so, I so, mean, well, my favourite idea was just to put a police tape around the Houses of Parliament and just shut it until October 31st. And by the time we came back, we'd have left. Yeah, I know. That does sound quite attractive, yeah, right? Yeah, it does. But because I, I, I still you're, think you're... there's a deal to be done. There's a deal to be done which means we can carry on as normal and we can just get on with it. And parliamentarians need to get back, um, see what the European summit come, Boris comes back with and see if we can may, maybe get a vote through. That's the, that's the most constructive way forward. I mean, we're we hearing... So that we can do it. I know you talk to people within, within the party. We're hearing that the ERG are perhaps softening their view, that the DUP may be softening their view and that there may well be a possibility of a deal which everyone can agree on, at least on the Tory side. But even then... That's still not enough, is it, for Parliament? Well, no, it's not, but it's a really good you know, progress report compared to where we were. Mm. The fact of the matter is, when people talk about Brexit, first of all, they think that it's going to be over by the 31st of October, i.e. we're going to stop talking about it, it won't be on our news bulletins. We are going to be talking about it for the next five to ten years. Yes. The second thing... Certainly so, hope so. You know, <laughs> keeps you in a job, Mike, <laughs> and me. Yeah, um, well, you but... know, I can do other things, you know. I'm not just a one-trick <laughs> pony. It's a very harsh thing to say. Oh, sorry. Listen, um, you're, you're here tonight, by the way. We should mention that before we forget. I, I am, I am. And secondly, one quick thing is that the majority in Parliament, the arithmetic in Parliament is still exactly the same. Boris Johnson, at some point, needs an election to be able to, to, be able to govern properly. Mm. I'm on tonight at 7, 7 till 10. Hopefully got a few MPs lined up, a few Excellent. journalists lined up. Looking forward to a good chat about what the hell is going to happen next. That'll be tremendous. Now, the other story that still keeps popping up from time to time, bobbing to the top of the, the pile, is this Jennifer Arcuri thing. Because we've now got, and I think you said this to me when we spoke about it the other day, that, you know, the London Assembly has the power to call Boris before them to answer questions about what happened. He still kind of um, uh, avoids the, the, the absolute answer to, to any question that is put to him. Um, but there is now a suggestion that he is going to be called before um, the London Assembly, but that he may decide not to go. 
the timing could not be worse for him. I don't quite know what the moment was when this story emerged and appeared, mm. because surely some people would have known about this for years, if indeed it was you know, actually true, and yeah. that she was on a trip by any other means other than you know, winning her right to be there in her own right. And so it, the, the timing is terrible. Uh, and again, it'll be, well, Dominic Cummings stroke Boris Johnson, they don't play by the rules. It'll be they don't, you know, go and give evidence um, if uh, they're called, which kind of breaks that convention mm. where if you're called, that's, you know, what you're expected to do. Uh, and also they avoid the questions. I mean, I've seen Boris Johnson in the last 24, 48 hours. Um, he deals with this actually brilliantly. He basically says, nothing to see here. Um, move on. I'm, I'm very proud of my record as mayor and nothing to see here. I'm not quite sure when it comes to public money, because you can do that with your private life. Yeah. But when it comes to public money, I don't think you can get away with it so easily. So I don't think this story is going away anytime soon. No, I don't think it is. And I think the trouble, as you say, for him is that, that you know, the, the aspect of it which might have involved him uh, spending time with a woman uh, that was not his wife is less important to people because everyone knows that that's the kind of thing Boris does. And actually, that isn't really news. But if he's starting to give money away, uh, which is not his, then it suddenly is. And for him to not actually answer the questions properly, I think is a problem. Uh, I, I do think that this is a story that is going to come back and back and, and time and time again because if, uh, you know, if this happened once, and I'm saying that if because we just don't know if it did, uh, and for people listening at home that don't quite know the ins and outs of the story, it's about the, the fact that taxpayers' money was used to, to fund this woman's uh, company and allow her to go on foreign trips. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't really entitled to that compared to the threshold of other businesses that were meant to be upset. So I've never been offered taxpayers' money because my business wouldn't necessarily qualify. And I've never been invited on foreign trips that, um, on behalf of my business because my business isn't big enough. Uh, so people were asking questions... That's not the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Let, I, this is, this is no, by no means a reflection on you, Casey. You are being very naughty. No, right? I'm not. I'm absolutely listen not. That's friend. not true. Listen, really did. No, I knew I'd get my friend out of you before the end of this. <laughs> right, listen, we'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock, Casey. See you at uh, party conference as well. Talk Radio will be there, of course, from Sunday. Uh, everything that happens up there, you will hear it here first. And, of course, Julie Hartley Brewer's show coming live from Manchester on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And, of course, uh, we won't have left the European Union by then either. This is Talk Radio. 
0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, I've had some very interesting um, emails and uh, tweets, actually, about the whole business of fraud and scamming and all that. So let me just read another couple of these out. Pablo says, My friend closed an account in another town when she moved, but the account had only been shadow closed and was being used as a money laundering scam by a bank employee. Chaz says, My 98-year-old father just got scammed by people saying they were from his internet company, saying he's been hacked and needs to re-register his bank details, and they took all of his money, £4,000. Felix says, don't pay anyone based on an email without checking. Email is not secure. Um, and uh, one from Graham, he says, I've been getting phone calls saying they are from BT and my phone and internet will be cut off from midnight. Please press 1 to speak to their technical department and I presume they will make you go to a website so they can access your computer and steal passwords. There's an awful lot of it out there and it is a big and growing area of crime. But let's talk to Simon Kempton, uh, who's the lead on operational policing for the Police Federation, because he'll know a bit about that. Uh, but this other part, parts of the crime we're going to talk about this morning, Simon, are a bit more serious very good morning to you morning mike how are you yeah very well indeed i mean I'm, I'm not going to get into the scams things i know that's not what we asked you to come on about but there is a growing number of people who are getting done over financially by people who are working out i guess that the, the, the sort of online crime is a lot easier to do than knocking somebody over the head yeah i actually lead for us on that as well so i've, I've spent quite a bit of time on that and, and you're right what we've seen in the last decade or so is the the internet being used not just to commit crimes but to enable other crimes so in the past, if you nicked a mountain bike, you might sell it down the pub. Yeah. Nowadays, you're more likely to sell it online. Yes. So criminals at all levels, from the most sophisticated to the least sophisticated, are starting to use the internet. Yeah, they we've are. We've been working with um, a lot of companies to help make that more difficult for them. Yes, and we're hoping to be able to give advice out to people as well, just to say, don't, you know, double-check everything if you can, and don't pay money to anyone unless you've checked with the people on the phone that they are actually who they say they are, because that seems to be a big thing as well. Yeah, I mean, we had someone um, in our organisation recently, they pretended they used an email technique called spoofing to pretend to be somebody in our organisation mm. asking for a transfer of funds. And luckily, because of the processes we've got and the training that we've done, we, we recognise that and, and, and that didn't work. But they're getting really sophisticated. They can pretend to be Mike.Graham at TalkSport, right. but really they're a, a scammer from anywhere in the world. And Thanks for giving out my email address. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. Um, uh, why anyone would want to be me has always been a puzzle to me, but that's another story. Let's talk about this uh, this outrage uh, over the, the the thug who threatened a police officer, attacked him three times, and has still yeah. not ended up behind bars because we've been told, and I know it's a relatively new government, but under Boris Johnson's plan, there's going to be more police on the street, but they're also supposed to be making it harder and harder to keep people out of jail if they attack police officers. Yeah, so the Police Federation have worked for a really long time um, to make government sit up and take note of just how serious this is. Because you attack a police officer, you attack the rest of society. Mm. I've been assaulted, all of my colleagues have been assaulted. And if they'll do that to me, they'd definitely do it to, you know, the ubiquitous little old lady crossing yeah, the road. Right. So that's why it becomes so important. What we did is we, we fought and we won. We got an emergency workers um, assaults bill to be adopted by Parliament with the, the assistance of a lot of really good parliamentarians. But sadly, it seems the courts haven't quite started to implement those new rules. And why is that? I mean, is it their decision as to when they implement it? Or that, can they not be forced to implement them? It is their decision. And, and do you know what? I think it's important that judges are allowed to be judges and magistrates are allowed to be magistrates. Mm. But what we're asking for is the guidelines that they work to, just to be looked at, to be rejigged, to be refreshed, so that when they... You know, the, the individuals assaulted a police officer or a paramedic stands in front of them. Those guidelines are really, really clear for them. 
So then, oh, do you know what? This is so serious. A custodial sentence is necessary to protect society. Yes. Well, I think the thing is that, you know, I'm sure I heard Boris Johnson when he when he controversially went and stood in front of all those police officers um, a few weeks yeah. ago. I'm sure I heard him say, you know, it should be an automatic custodial sentence if you if you're a sort of police officer. Well, I think that should be the starting point. Yes. Um, and we've seen a huge rise as well in the in the number of assaults uh, on police officers from 26,000 to 30,000 over the last year or so. And that's still massively underreported. Mm. And, and I'm as anyone, if I am arresting someone for a theft and during that arrest they shove me and push me, but I get the handcuffs on. To be honest, I'm as bad as anyone. I, I don't record the assault, I just deal with the theft. Yes. So the actual number is much, much higher than that. But even so, um, I think Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, has, has acknowledged only a quarter of those who assault me, my colleagues, are actually going to prison, and, and that can't be right. No. And this particular case, right, um, uh, which involves a police officer by the name of Andrew Jackson and this horrible, yeah. ghastly thug, Peter McLeod, this guy's got a record as long as your arm, um, and he's threatened him several times, right? He punched him in the face, he threatened to chop him up with an axe. I mean, it seems incredible that he gets a suspended sentence. Yeah, and we're right to highlight this case, but to a certain extent, Mike, it's it's a moot point because as, as terrible as this is, it isn't unusual. Yeah. It's, it's not. I, I saw the, the details of that case, and I didn't think to myself, blimey, that's, I thought that's happened again, sadly. Uh, and I've watched that happen to my colleagues in front of me with my own eyes. It's happened to me, and it, it has to stop. We have to do something to, to say to police officers, society values enough, values you enough, that we're going to help protect you. Same for firefighters, same with... Um, paramedics, when we fought and we won to get this law through, we'd hoped that we'd cracked it. Now we just need that little bit more help from the yes. guidelines to get it on. Yeah, because you're going to have problems recruiting people, I would think, unless you've got this kind of thing in place, because at least you would want to see a reduction in the numbers of people assaulting the police if they know that they're going to go to jail. Yeah, definitely. It's hard enough anyway because of the, you know, after austerity it becomes more difficult to recruit people anyway. But I, when I signed on the dotted line, you know, I knew that I would have to put myself between the public and the person who wants to hurt them. Yeah. And I signed up for that. That's absolutely fine. I know that I'm going to be asked to put myself in danger. That's part of the job. What isn't part of the job is having that criminal walk away scot-free and then for me to think, do you know what, I'm, I'm not valued by mm. society when I'm doing my best to try and help. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And another story which I know is slightly tangential to, to what we're talking about, Cleveland Police has been found uh, by Her Majesty's Inspectorate of Constabularies to be uh, failing to exercise its principal duties of fighting crime and keeping the public safe. I think this is a bit unfair on the Cleveland Police, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, often what you find is um, and if there are any difficulties with the police force, they're way above the men and the women who answer the 999 calls and yeah. investigate the crime that you report. And they're often, if not always, struggling, doing their absolute best under the most trying circumstances. And then a report like this comes out and people think, well, it's the, the constable or the sergeant who do the day-to-day -day job. And often it's stuff that's way out of their hands. No, exactly. When they're talking about, in one disturbing case, inspectors found that children who were reported missing overnight were not looked for until the following morning. Well, presumably that is an, a, a, an issue of, of manpower or woman power, whichever way you want to look at it, because presumably if you had enough people, you'd be out looking for them. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm a sergeant, so I would deal with a job like that when it comes in. Yeah. And if someone phones up to say, my three-year-old, my five-year-old has gone missing, we throw everything at it. The difference is... Throwing everything at it in 2019 is a lot different than 2010. Yeah, because everything doesn't, doesn't count as much, people. right? Exactly. So when we don't go to a job like that until you know several hours later, 
it will, I promise you, I promise your listeners, it's not because we don't care, it's because we're just tied up dealing with the assault, dealing with the rape, dealing with the domestic violence, dealing with the theft, dealing with all the other things yeah. that are also important. Have you seen an increase in crime generally just because of the way society has gone? Yeah, and I, anecdotally, I put it down to a couple of things. So one is during a times of economic hardship, shall we say, and, and we've seen that since the crash in, in, in 08, you tend to get more acquisitive crime, and acquisitive crime is basically people nicking stuff. Yeah. But also, I, I've, I've noted, and I don't know if I'm reading too much, but a general um, lack of respect for to society, respect yes. our, our, our neighbours. Mm. And people, I think, are more likely to do things that most of us would say are unacceptable. Yes, I think that's absolutely right, because you see it on a regular basis on the street. I think people are ruder to one another. Um, yep. They're less friendly to each other, it seems to me. Um, and they're more willing to actually commit crimes openly now without fear of getting caught. Yeah, and I, you know, and this is probably a bit of a daft thing for me to say, but I wonder how much of it is you know, social media. People mm. get used to being in a certain way with that cloak of anonymity. And maybe it changes us slightly if we're used to being rude to people on the internet and then suddenly we've got the opportunity or we're face to face and we forget actually yeah well i think that's right because people always say oh you wouldn't say that to somebody's face now they actually are saying it to your face and one of the things that worries me quite a bit um is these gangs that are now in existence who seem to do things like i don't know if you saw that footage of the kids driving through on bikes through a supermarket and and basically doing it for hits on youtube and that's the that's their motivation Uh, and I tell you what, it's the police. You know, maybe quite rightly, it's the police who have to sweep up after that and, and put it right. But it can't be the police who, who hold the key to stopping it happening. It's, no. Every, every single one of us has got a part to play in this, including the people, the, the idiots who ride their bikes. To, so. I mean, would your advice to people in that situation be not to interfere or, or to or to try and do a sort of citizen's arrest? Or what? What would you What would you say people should do? Right there, right there. I mean, really difficult for me to say because um, it's okay for me to say do something. Yeah. It's my job to do something. Um, but I couldn't ask a member of the public to potentially get really seriously or injured or assaulted. Right. Um, but what we do have to do is, is you know, to borrow a, a phrase from someone else, make it a toxic environment for yes. people to act like that. Yeah. So that people actually think, you know, I'm about to do this thing and actually it's probably not the right thing to do. I mean... I'm sure you were the same when you were their age, and I was. We used to do stuff that was a bit naughty, mm. but nothing that would hurt another... Young but also, you'd be terrified of getting caught as well. Yeah, of course. And, of course, since we've seen, you know, a reduction of 20,000 police officers, sadly, there's fewer of us about to, to intervene quickly. Mm. Yeah. It's a shocking state of affairs. Simon, listen, thanks for your, uh, for your conversation. That was very um, interesting stuff from Simon Ken Kempton there from the Police Federation, uh, all about uh, the ridiculous nature at the moment of the way that people can assault police officers, can threaten police officers more than once, multiple times, and still, despite the fact that they're supposed to be custodial sentences for such behaviour, they're not getting locked up because the courts have not yet adopted the system. That seems crazy, doesn't it? Let's talk to Mick in Rotherham. Hello, Mick. Ah, yeah, yeah, well, uh, I mean, John Major started all this when he forced Maastricht through in 92. Well, he did, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, a bit, anyway, it's a bit disingenuous of Major to now start blaming everybody else. May, maybe if we had, like, from the very start of all of this, if we had politicians that acted like adults instead of babies, we might be a bit further along the line. I couldn't agree more. Not Well, you, you don't agree with me because you'll you use it yourself, surrender. Why not call it what it is? Why act like a child 
That's Why, what's, 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 what's acting well, like it's, a child? It's not about called calling that, it that? It? What, what's it? I don't know what it's called. Call it what it is. Let's be like adults in, in Parliament and call it what it is. Well, basically... Anyway, the, well, what, well, what, well, well, for, right, what I rang up for is... I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. And I want to... It, well, it, one of them's one of the same question from two sides. All right. What would your view have been if Jeremy Corbyn had given unlawful advice to the monarch? Given unlawful advice? Well, you see, he didn't. That's the point. The point about what happened But here. he did. No, he didn't. No. The the, 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 the ruling the, no, by the Corbyn Supreme Court... No, Corbyn didn't, Co but Boris did. No, he didn't. The ruling by... Yeah, he did. No, the ruling by the Supreme Court says that the Parliament was prorogued by uh, unlawfully. Un unlawfully, but it doesn't say that he gave illegal advice to the Queen. That's right, not okay. what it says. All right, then. Well, so, uh, what I've just done then is re misrepresented that, that other. Well, you misrepresented well, you have, yeah. Lady Hale immediately so. after she'd stopped speaking. Why? The first thing you said was well, presumably the 11 uh, judges yeah. are, are, are Remainers. I'd love to know how you know that. I didn't say that. which ones are Remainers and which ones are I didn't say that they were all yeah, Remainers. I, was, I, I said it was very unusual did. for 11 judges to all vote the you same way. They must all be Remainers, I don't presumably. think so. Well, well that's the exact word. That's a quote. Oh, I OK. All right. Did you, you write it down? Said, you also said yeah. that Lady Hale had said that Boris could not prorogue Parliament. Yes. Which, when she said the exact opposite. What do you she mean? She said it could prorogue Parliament as long as they did it lawfully, which was the five or six days, not... I'm not quite tactic. sure what your point is here, Mick. Because... What are you asking, me? You haven't asked me a question. When is it OK for someone to just ignore the law? When is that OK? Well, I, they, I'm, they, I'm going to fill up my fuel in a minute. Can I drive out at petrol station? Can I ignore theft law? You, know, you, like you can do whatever you like, Mick, but I'll tell you what, if you break the law, right, you get punished, don't you? Like Boris did. No, Boris was not punished. Yeah, he did. He did. Well, How did he get punished? Just, Where's the fine? Just, Where's his fine? He doesn't get punished, that's the point. That's yeah, so he can't have broken the law then. So he can't have broken the law, can he? If he's, you'll think it's okay for the executive to believe that he's above the law. I didn't you'll say think that. That's okay. Well, you, yeah, you do. Because when? I was going to ask every time you speak. I was going to ask. Well, you, you keep saying you're going to ask me a question. You haven't asked me a question is it yet. Okay? Well, I have asked you, but you're not answering them. Well, what's is the it question? Okay to break the law if he agrees with Mike Graham. What? Or, is, or have we all got to follow the law? No, it's not okay I to mean, break the law. Where'd you get that okay. idea from? No, of course it's not. Well, Boris did the other day, and you'll think that. No, he fine. didn't. No, he didn't. Yeah, he he didn't. No, it's not the same thing. He he prorogued. He lawfully prorogued Parliament. Yeah, but he didn't break the law. Okay, then. But he didn't break. But he didn't break the law, though, Mick. Because the law. I'll rephrase the, it. The then. Law, it's the, okay for me to act unlawfully today. Sometime, if I go into a petrol station, drive away, and act unlawfully by not paying for my bill, no. is that okay? Well, no, because you'll be punished for that, and you'll probably be fined, and you might oh, even right. be okay. arrested, so right? It's, it's but, okay uh, but, when Boris does it. Well, when, people, hang on. Boris. Well, hang on, Mick. When was Boris arrested for this terrible crime that you said well, he committed? Why not? Been, eh? Why not? If we're the country law and order, maybe he, he hasn't, been. No, because he hasn't broken the law. That's why he hasn't been arrested. It's, not lawfully. it's a civil law. It's not a criminal law, you plank. All right, then. I'll, I'll, a civil law. What? Yeah. A civil law. What can I think of a civil law? Yeah, I think of a I'll civil law. I'll or someone's front gardens dance about on their front garden. That's civil. Trespass. No, trespass is criminal. No, it isn't. Yes, oh, it is. Do any damage. No, yeah, it is no, not. No, it is. Trespass is not... Aggravated you seem to you seem to have a problem, Let's, Mick. I see. I'll tell you what your problem is, Mick. You seem to, it sounds to me like you want to break the law, and you're trying to get me to give you permission. Is that what you want? Well, but I don't want the executive breaking the law either. I don't. I want haven't broken the law. I don't want. 
They haven't broken the law. No, they have not broken the law. You don't seem to. You don't understand the law, Mitch. What I don't want is the executive deciding that they're going to ignore laws or use instruments to get round laws because they don't happen to like those particular laws. I see. How about stick to the law? What? I said, how about just sticking to the law? That's the yeah, thing. but the law that, he, the law, the the law. law that, that they say that he uh, didn't use properly was not in existence until they invented it. So when he actually supposedly prorogued Parliament unlawfully, it wasn't illegal at the time. So, in, but in their opinion, you know, the highest legal minds in the land... Yes. The highest court in the land... Right. ...have decided that what he did was unlawful. Right, so what's so the punishment? we all like so, so what's the punishment, Mick? time... What's the punishment? Coppers, what's the punishment? We don't, we don't... I don't drive away from a petrol what's station... What's the punishment? And, ...and Boris Johnson... You don't get it, do you? ...doesn't use... You don't get it. ...underhand tactics... What's the punishment? particularly like what's happening in, in Parliament. What's the punishment, Mick? How about Mick? that? How about the punishment? What's your punishment for Boris Johnson? There isn't one. You Thank you. You don't want to know what my punishment for Boris Johnson is. Oh, I Johnson see. You sound like a violent man, Mick. I don't think we're going to have any of that on the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. He talks about driving away from petrol stations without paying, jumping about in other people's gardens, and now he wants to punish Boris Johnson with some kind of spanking offence. I'm not sure what's going on with Mick in Rotherham. For heaven's sake, mate, get a grip, have a cup of tea, go and lie down in a dark room. Let's go back to the phones, though, because uh, we've got just about another half an hour to go. 03444991000. Matthew Wright coming up at one o'clock. Let's talk to Rob. Uh, who I'm not sure where he is. It doesn't really say. Where are you, Rob? Inisable. Where? South Inisable. Inisable. Where's that? South Wales. Oh, nice. Okay. I like South Wales. Good part of the world. It's just three miles from Pontypridd. Okay. Car- Cardiff had uh, question time last night. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Did you go? No, I didn't. No, I didn't realise he was on. I missed the, the episode where they yeah. advertised it. So. Oh well, never mind. You can watch it yeah. on iP- I- iPlayer. I watched it last night, but I didn't know that they were doing it in Cardiff. Oh right. Time. Yeah. Okay. What's yeah, going um, on? Well, Mike, you've turned into the Tories uh, channel, you are. What are you talking about? Well, you're, you're promoting the Tories. Have they taken over your station? Have your bosses told you? Have you listened to this radio station, have you? I, Mike, I've been listening to you for years since yeah. you moved from TalkSport. Okay. Well, I'm very grateful for that. But you have you heard of Matthew you Wright? Really? Have you heard of I'm... Matthew Wright? Yeah. He comes on after me. I know, I've listened he's not to him. He's not a Tory. No, but I'm saying what I used to like you because you should be very impartial. You'd get the truth. I back. am impartial. But you're you're a Boris fan. You're a big Boris What's fan. What's wrong with liking the prime minister? Well, he's not a good prime minister for a start. In your view, in everybody's view, I think. Well, I don't think that's quite yeah. right. Not in anybody's view. You don't represent everybody, Rob. Do you? I know. I know. Nor do you. Uh, no, I don't. But no, I have a radio Boris show, and you're talking to me. So why don't you tell me why you don't like Boris Johnson? Because he's a liar. Why is he a liar? Because he told uh, he got the uh, the parliament closed down. Yeah. And he got he got done for it. Yeah, when you say hang on, hang on, when you say got done for it, well, he, well, he what do you mean? Out, he was, he's out of order. I mean, out of order. It's not the same as being a liar, is it? Yeah, but but he, he has lied. He's you lied. just called him a liar. Well, he is a liar. Well, what did he lie about? Uh, I can't think now, Tommy. You can't think, think of anything. That. Oh, right, OK. So it's all right for you, Rob, to call somebody a liar, even yeah. though you can't think of what they lied about. I, yeah, well, when you're on the radio, you do get a bit nervous, don't you? Do you? I, mean, I don't get nervous on the radio, luckily. And the fella saying about coming from Scotland to London, he don't feel safe. Yeah. I never used to feel safe when the Scottish used to come down to London when we played them at football. Listen, no, I didn't used to feel safe in Cardiff on a Friday night. The women fighting know, outside the pub outside the, uh, yeah. the, the Millennium Stadium. It was quite frightening. You know, and, and then your other ch- chap saying about the BBC or the station, we don't they have to pay for them. We have to pay for talk sport. No, you don't. Well, we do to talk through Sky. You're run by Sky, so we pay for No, by, we're not by run by Sky at all. Sky oh, does not have anything to do with us. 
Come on, Mike. What do you, you mean, come on? Are. What are you talking about? You're talking rubbish. Have a, have a look, have a look, have a look back. You are paid by Sky. No, we're not paid by Sky. No, a completely separate company. Oh, yes. God, yeah. It might be a separate company, but the money, where's the money come from? What money? Sky. It pays you away. I wish, I wish Sky did give me some money, but they don't pay I mean, me, I'm no afraid. Sky looking after the Tory party. No. So that's, that's why you, you think Sky is a Tory station now? Yeah, Have you watched it? Ready for the general election. Why are you so anti-Tory anyway, Rob? They're the people that saved the valleys, aren't they? Fast man that's worked all my life. Yeah. And the people Have you always voted? Stuff, never done a day's work in his life. Who's your MP, Rob? My MP, Anne Cluid. Anne Cluid. Well, she's a great, fi famously old Labour MP who's done wonderful things for yeah. many people, right? Yeah. But she is not the person now who is in any way in charge of the Labour Party. And if I were you, I would look at how the Labour Party has changed over the years... Because if you think Jeremy Corbyn is the answer, it's a pretty stupid question. What, what's wrong with Jeremy Corbyn? Now? What's, what's wrong with him? him? What's wrong with him? Yeah. Well, you mean, apart from the fact that he cozies up to terrorists, the fact that he wants to strip away uh, all, the, all the private schools in this country, the fact that he wants to take everybody's money and give it to people who would just waste it on ridiculous projects, apart from the fact... What? And he's mayor of London. What is to do with the water cannons, mayor of London? Well, he should have kept the water cannons so he could have fired them all on the protesters. No, I think you're, you're, you're going on the wrong road, Mark. You're, you're, uh, you're going to, you know... You're talking to me you know. now as if you've got the right idea and I've got the wrong idea, whereas yeah, what we've actually that. got here, Rob, is just a I difference... I need to get back to Mr Paddy, because got... he brings you down to earth. We've, we've, got, we've got a difference of opinion, Rob. Yes, we have got a difference of and opinion. And if next time I want to work with an idiot, I'll give you a call, OK? How's that? I can't get back to you, see, because when you go off the phone, like you did that man in, in your... You're still, on the, you're still on the radio, yeah. Rob. When you go back to on the phone, you, you make a comment scene like, like you do. Well, right, you're I, still I, here. I you. You're still here. But uh, we'll prove you wrong. Who right, will? Who, who's we? The Labour Party. Oh, you're a Labour Party <laughs> man. Oh, I didn't realise. <laughs> OK, Rob, so you're calling on behalf of the Labour Party. Thanks very much indeed. By the way, just a special message to Rob in Wales. Don't forget, you can hear coverage from the Tory party conference across the station from Sunday. Uh, it's 12.34. Uh, it's Friday. It's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. It really does cheer you up, that music, after such a long, hard week that we've all had in the belly of the beast in Westminster. Mm, absolutely. Con Mendes yeah. is here. Very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us once more. Thank you. Taking time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, absolutely. But, what have you got for uh, us? Then, well, welcome once more again, Mike, to uh, the Perry Awards. Yes. Uh, this is where we go back over the past week of the so-called so Independent called. Republic of Mike Graham and mm. choose our very favourite moments. Of course, it's been a great week once again. The show's really taken off. Off, unlike yeah. Thomas Cook Planes. Oh, very but good. this feature is here to keep you, Mike, again, like Thomas Cook Planes, grounded. Thank you. Uh, there's been some horrifying mistakes on the show this week. <laughs> Enough to give Fort Park's Fright Nights do or die maze a run for its money. Still, though, well done for them for coming up with a Brexit-themed yes. maze. Yeah. And much like Parliament, it was filled with zombies. Uh, loads of gaffes, slip-ups and unparliamentary language to get through. So let's begin. Go on. As is tradition, the first pair goes to you, Mike. Super. Let's start with a classic. Once more, you've won the Impression of the Week. To the dreadful and ghastly speech uh, by Greta Thunberg, uh, who got up in the United Nations yesterday and basically said, How dare you! 
How dare you? <laughs> That's right. Good, actually. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's sounds, not too bad. Sounds similar to the Luxembourg Prime yeah, Minister that we did last yeah, week. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, well, as you've mentioned, we spent a lot of time at the other do-or-die zombie house this week. And this is Parliament, of course. You had a fun exchange with the SNP MP Angus McNeil yes. for his constituency. Uh, you both win Fruit Loops of the Week. It's all that border. You're patrolling with people oh, and killing each other. Hang on, you're confusing apples and oranges you again. You keep saying that. Yes, but you are. And this is maybe what keeps talk really on the go. Is the apples, and oranges, is the apples and oranges. And maybe it's, we'll, we'll, we'll throw in some bananas and pineapples yeah, as well. Okay. The UK's the fifth biggest economy in the world. China's bigger. What does that mean? Is, well, is China's China a much bigger country. Still? Well, exactly. That's to do with size of country. You're now you're just talking about apples and oranges. Not to advancement. Apples and oranges is definitely the theme of the week. Yeah. For sure. And when speaking to Katie Katie Perrier earlier on today's show. Mike, you won Plug of the Week. Katie Perrier will be here tonight at 7 o'clock. You don't want to miss that because this is a woman who knows uh, where the bodies are buried. It's very true. (laughs) It's a phrase. I don't think she'll be unhappy about that. No, she's not an accessory to murder. No. Uh, But a better double at this week, Mike, uh, was you and Mike... Uh, sorry, you and caller Brendan in Hartlepool. Uh, your back and forth and timing uh, got you both the gong for double act of the week. Boris won a general election. Well, that's very true. I do I, have I at the back. Of... Tom... Go on. Sorry. Go on. No, I was going to say I, I do have at the back of, at the back of my mind. <laughs> I have got this idea. How do you do it? You just get each other, don't you? Well, you know that's quite unfair because <laughs> you have to explain to the audience that when we were working the tent of common sense down in Westminster, there is sometimes a slight delay on the line, which means that you both speak at the same time. That clip was from Monday when we were here. Really? Lots of collaborative <laughs> work for you this week, Mike. You and Joe Twyman worked well together to win the analysis of the week. So you're pretty much going to tell me we are where we are, which is where, exactly where we were. That is where we are. There we are. This is Talk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that, actually. That was my favourite exchange. We can just keep that clip for ever. Yes, And just I think play it out. Well, uh, we always are going to be where we are. Exactly. Technically. That's how time No matter works. where we are. David Wooding from yeah. The Sun on Sunday managed to pick up the most unnecessary music reference of the week when discussing the premiership of the late Jacques Chirac. How far politics has come on. Uh, he was in a state from 1995 to 2007, so he was all through the Blur years. Yeah, yeah the Blur years. They had that album, <laughs> The Great Escape. Yeah, you know, one of them's b- become a chef for now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, Blur years, yeah, very yeah. good. Uh, Blair, uh, there we go. Uh, Mike, it's not a surprise you've won this one. It's exaggeration of the week. Well, we're just going to have a quick nip up the M6. I mean, if anyone's tried to quickly <laughs> nip up the M6 yeah. anytime recently, they'll realise that... Well, actually, well, the, the easy, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the easy bit is getting from the, M, the bottom of the M6 up to Manchester. The hard bit is getting from London to the M6, which actually will take you about 45 hours. Indeed. Well, you've obviously never tried to drive from here to the bottom of the M6, have you? No, I get driven, I don't drive. Yeah, exactly. Stephen Crabb, MP now, he wins the Perrier for the, called the That's Not The Saying Award. Do you think he should apologise for some of the stuff he said last night, or...? Well, I don't think any of this should be thrown under a rug. <laughs> I remember that one yesterday. I thought, thrown under a rug? I thought that was the thing that used to happen to, you won't know this, it would be a too old of a reference, Andy Pandy. Uh, I've, I've, they did show Andy Pandy during my time, did they? A, a remake of it. Because Andy think, Pandy yeah. used to have a teddy, and mm. the teddy used to always be under the rug, and there was a huge lump, and Andy Pandy would walk around going, where's Teddy? 
you're going, he's under the rug! Wow, and that constituted entertainment in your childhood. It did, that's why I'm so well-rounded yeah. as an individual. <laughs> yeah. Caller Mike from Ribble Valley now. Oh, yes. Um, Home often, of Nigel Evans. Yes, of course. Uh, we often give away a pair of the wrong namer of the week, but he wins the no-namer of the week for his reference to Julia Hartley Brewer. On, on the show a couple of weeks ago, I think uh, my, Michael Heseltine was interviewed by the, the lady who comes on earlier in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> she won't like that. No, I guess it's difficult to remember <laughs> yeah, um, her names when she does have so many. Uh, let's go to Julia's show now, where mm. Emma Revel from the Institute of Economic Affairs won the question of the week. Not a sport. Strictly's not a sport. Now, we've, Dancing we've... on ice is a sport. Ice skating. I'll, How I'll, is that I'll let him have that. One of them's on ice. Yes. That is different. <laughs> there's you your, have to there's say, your answer. Revel, Revel. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Wright show now. He wins the obsession of the week, Does and he? there's a certain someone he seems he just can't seem to stop mentioning. I think this could be the best day of my life so far. It's just so funny, uh, and also my life has been really pretty tragic. Mike Graham leaving <laughs> the studio, a broken man, I think it's fair to describe him. He went through uh, different levels of, uh, well, it was like a sort of guide to different shades of red, wasn't it? We had vermilion, we had scarlet, we had puce, we had ready to explode, we had overripe tomato, but... Uh, I mean, overall, it's I suppose it's just gammon. Can we still say gammon? Uh, I'm not sure if we I can. I'm not I sure if know. we can. Do you think he spent a lot of time writing that? Because technically, puce is not a shade of red. Is it not? I wouldn't say so. Wow, it's hard to tell. It I'm not to uh, across. He does the seem a bit like obsessed, it. though. You think he's all right? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not going to join in your little squabble. I'm sure it's fine. There's no squabble no between squabble. me and Matthew Wright. No, you seem friends. Of course, we were old colleagues on the Daily Mirror many years ago. Lovely stuff. And finally, Mike. Oh, no, not finally, because we added not more. Not finally. Not finally, because we added more after I wrote this. Uh, Mike, this one is for you. Of course, it is yet another best summary of the show. Please. Yeah, I just. Um, I, the uh, only reason I, I have absolutely no reason to say it with any uh, knowledge. That's a bit harsh. <laughs> you said Something it. Something I didn't know you anything about, it. unusually for you me. You said it. You said it. Uh, and on today's show, finally. Finally. Simon Kempton from the Police Federation, during a conversation about online scams and data protection, managed to give out this. They pretended they used an email technique called spoofing to pretend to be somebody in our organisation mm. asking for a transfer of funds. And luckily, because of the processes we've got and the training that we've done, we, we recognised that and, and, and that didn't work. But they're getting really sophisticated. They can pretend to be Mike.Graham at TalkSport, right. but really they were a scammer from anywhere in the world. And Thanks for giving out my email address. <laughs> no worries at all. No, no, that's all right. If anybody's had an email from Mike.Graham at TalkSport, it's not me, OK? No. We so don't say, answer it. Don't yeah, send him any money. No, you don't uh, You don't respond to emails on that thing, we should say. If you do want to get in touch with Mike, 079. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much uh, indeed. That's it for the Perry Awards. Well done. There'll be more next week. I'm very proud. The UK online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.